You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 29, airing on March 19th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to use coaching to engage and develop others without relying on authority or sanctions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is the positives and perils of multitasking. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I'm coming to you from our studio here in Orange County, California, and very excited to bring this episode to you today because my very favorite guest of all time is back with me, and that is Bonnie Stahoviak, who I happen to be married to and also is a expert in many things leadership coaching and organizational related and I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad to be back and it's so fun that Dave you and I met in grad school and that we speak the same language when it comes to these things that are interested in the same topic. So when you said you were going to be talking about multitasking, I definitely was a little bit assertive about, "Hey, I want to come back and talk about that topic." And for those of you who have not heard Bonnie on the show before, uh, you all may, those of you who have already know this, but uh, in addition to us being married, you also bring a tremendous amount of professional experience here as well. Uh, Bonnie's a professor at Vanguard University here in Southern California and teaches classes in business and management and also uh, has a long career in the business world and was a VP of a publicly traded company running uh, human resources and training for the organization. And so you have a wide variety of experience handling these uh, challenges and coaching people. And so I'm really excited today that we'll get your perspective on this. And as you're listening to us, you may have comments or questions or feedback that we would certainly be happy to respond to and possibly even address on a future show. And if you do, there's a couple ways you can reach out to us. So one is by phone, and that's 949-38-LEARN. And you can also reach us by email to feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Again, that's feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And those of you who are international or those of you who just prefer to use Skype, you can also reach us over Skype and leave us a message there. Our Skype name is Innovate Learning. That's the same as our company name. So let's jump in and have some discussion about multitasking. And you know, there, there's some positives and negatives of multitasking, thus our show topic today. So, um, so let's see if we can look at a few of the few of these perspectives on this, Bonnie, and what, do, uh, what, are, what are the good and what are the bad of multitasking? Well, one of the things that's happened since the last time I was on the show, some listeners that are regular listeners may know, is that Dave and I had a baby. We did. Yes, the baby's name is Luke, and Luke is asleep in the next room. We hope we for hope. the length of the show. So it's <laughs> this, kind of show could end early. You never know. Speaking of multitasking, it's kind of cutting close to his eating time. So we'll see how he does. But one of the things that really has been in the forefront of my mind is this idea of multitasking. Because anyone, I think, who's a new parent. I don't think they could survive without exercising their multitasking skills. And some of us are better at it than others, but I don't, I can't really imagine being a parent and just taking things one thing at a time. And I, I just picture, I don't know how the, how much you want me to keep this clean here, but 
<laughs> on the show. Let us not lose our clean <laughs> iTunes rating. Yes. Uh, one thing for I, sure. You know, in terms of like breastfeeding and then I'm trying to put in the app what time he's eating because I want to kind of have, especially when he was a newborn, they re- really knew, I mean, he's still a newborn, but they wanted you to actually wake him up during the day, even if he wasn't waking himself up. And right. I can't even tell you what day it is, what time it is. And so I did use the iPhone to kind of track that. So I'm, I'm breastfeeding and doing that and then really losing too weight, too much weight too quickly. So I'm trying to eat snacks when he's eating. <laughs> and then, you know, inevitably, I think uh, actually you got a package. It was, I didn't know it at the time. It was our new time capsule. Oh, yes. So the FedEx person is at the front door, you know, delivering that and it requires a signature. I mean, it just multitasking has sort of been central to our lives, I think, these last six weeks of Luke's life. And this brings up an interesting point, too, because I think when there's the conversation about multitasking is people tend to either go to one extreme or the other. They say, oh, you should multitask. You have to multitask. It's the only way to get things done. And then there's also now a camp of people saying, well, you should never multitask and multitasking isn't good for you and you're Mm -hmm. not efficient at all when you're multitasking. And when I think about this from a standpoint of leadership and people I've worked with in organizations, I think in reality the the answer's probably somewhere in between those two on a daily basis. And I think that both you and I have had that experience working with people and coaching with people. So um, I'm wondering maybe, first of all, we look at you know what are some of the myths around this and what, what, what gets people in trouble as far as multitasking? Well, I think one of the things that was a myth for me for many years, and you just sort of alluded to it, is that multitasking is always the way to go. And there were a lot of gender stereotypes about men versus women and, you know, and anytime anyone says, all men this, all women this, it's just preposterous. We're mm-hmm. far too complex of beings to think you could simplify it. But the research actually does tend to bear out that women do tend to be better at multitasking than women. And that's... A, than men, you mean? Than, than men, yeah. <laughs> that's a tendency. So that's not all of the time. And that you also have to look at the context in which that research was conducted because life is far more complex than the research environment is too. But I think at least as far as if we were to use ourselves anecdotally speaking, probably we would say that I think I might be a little bit better at multitasking than you, Dave. Mm -hmm. And I used to sort of think of that, not not in like it was a competition with you, but I used to think of that as, well, that's a good thing. You know, we should strive toward multitasking. Mm -hmm. And then they started coming out with this research just in the last few years that showed you don't actually get more done. You actually slow down Mm -hmm. the total quantity of what you're able to get done. And you don't do it as well. You're more prone for errors and things like that. And so that really woke me up to thinking about, wow. And and I found that actually to be true that for, for myself, that when I slow myself down and just take one thing at a time, That's great. And one example that we've talked about before is with email. And, you know, if you leave that email on all the time and you get that ding or some kind of notification, you keep switching back and forth between what you're doing and email, you'll never get a thing done during the day. And so that's just one example. And I do want to reference early on in our conversation, Dave, this wonderful book that I read called The Myth of Multitasking. And I think you'll put it in the show notes so people could grab it off Amazon. I will. So if you hop onto our website, go to coachingforleaders.com. And this is episode number 29. You can grab the link for that. And check out the subtitle. 
how doing it all gets nothing done. Mm. Yeah. And so one of the, yeah, one of the things <laughs> that they talk about in this book is that we think that we're multitasking, but actually we're not. What we're doing is what they have termed switch tasking. So when I think I'm doing more than one thing at a time, it's actually not possible to do that. I'm just switching back and forth quickly between two different activities. And this comes up a lot. Uh, Those listeners who have used computers for a long time will remember I used to teach computer classes. And so we would talk about old computers. Those of us that have been around a long time, old computers, you would start a program and you do your little spreadsheet or do your little word processing and then you'd quit it. And then you'd open another program and then you'd quit it. And in fact, in some cases, those of us that go way back, you'd put a different diskette in because there wasn't even a hard drive inside of the computer to store the information on how to run that program. So when you wanted to play Oregon Trail, (laughs) you'd put in the Oregon Trail disk and you'd take it out when you were done and you put another disk in. And so that when computers started to be able to multitask, we would explain to people that it's not actually multitasking because there's only one little computer brain in there called a CPU, computer processing unit. And so what it's doing is it's got these mathematical processes that it uses to switch smartly back and forth between Word and Excel, just as an example. It makes your brain think that those programs are running at the same time. Those old Windows users would remember the Alt-Tab shortcut that let you switch back and forth mm-hmm. quickly with just your keyboard. And it felt like they were running at the same time, but that actually at that time, because there was only one CPU in the computers back then, they weren't actually multitasking. Now, long story short, I won't get too technical on you, but today's computers are multitasking. They, they do have more than that one brain in there that lets them do that. But for us as humans, we're only really able to do the one thing at a time. And, and Dave, you know, you'll see me sitting downstairs watching TV and I'll have my iPhone out. And there have been times I'm embarrassed to admit this, but you will come home and you'll rewatch the same show that I watched earlier. Uh-huh. And it's like I'm watching it for the first time. Yeah, I know. because we can't do that. I can't be sitting there absorbed in what a friend just had a baby on Facebook or something like that and and be absorbed in that and still be comprehending what's being said on that latest episode of, you know, my favorite TV show. We can't do it. Our brains just don't work that way. The computer is a great analogy. I've taught a stress management class for a client over the last three or four years now. And one of the things we talk about in that class is multitasking and of the point in the research shows us that you literally cannot do two things in your brain. You can't think about two things at the same time. And it, and if you don't believe it, just try it, try to think of two things, two separate things at the same time. You can't do it. You can do it very, you can switch between two very, very quickly. And it gives you the illusion that you're doing two things at once, but you can't actually do two thoughts at one time. And so, and then that's where the research is showing that multitasking when we're trying to do multiple things at a time that we, you know, we lose efficiency then at a much grander level is we start to try to do too much at once. And all of a sudden we become a lot less efficient than we would be if we really focused a little bit more on one particular task or activity. And there are some things that we can do that they call kind of background tasks. So you and I, Dave, could watch television and fold laundry. Mm -hmm. Because we have folded laundry for so long, we don't literally have to think about 
okay, this side is going to go there and it's about a third of that. And this side, we don't have to think about it. And right now I am background tasking. I have the headphones aren't completely on my ears right now. The left ear is off so I can hear Luke if he begins to cry in the next room. So I'm background tasking part of my brain for six weeks now, 100% of the time. Yeah. I'm not even sleeping as heavily as I used to because there's always that part of my brain that's just listening because he's a little baby. He ne- you know, he he needs things. And so that that's possible to do that. But I couldn't. Uh, well, people think this is the tragedy. People think they can text and drive a car. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah, we can text and drive a car if we're going the same route and, you know, these kinds of things. But when you're driving a vehicle, unexpected things happen. The ball that the kids are playing with comes into the street or the car in front of you turns or slams their brakes on unexpectedly. And that's where the accidents happen. And they're now saying that if you try to text and drive, it's actually something many times over more dangerous than drinking and driving which is terribly dangerous and a very selfish action to take. I've seen the same studies of uh, it being far more dangerous than alcohol behind the wheel. It's amazing how, and and we don't have the societal um, yet uh, condemnation around that that we do around alcohol and driving, but it's far more dangerous. Mm -hmm. And it's just just amazing how we don't yet perceive that. And and I I think the example you gave with, um, you know, thinking about Luke and kind of paying attention to what's going on with him as we're recording this right now, is really insightful because it speaks to the importance of doing some, you know, what we call multitasking and the importance of being able to do that, uh, not only in our daily lives, but when it comes to the workplace too, is you can't just focus on one thing all the time. And I think that's where some of the, the, uh, the debate and some of the recent research that's come out is sometimes taken to the other extremes. People say, oh, well, I should just focus on one thing at a time at all times. And that's just not realistic in most organizations or for most people to be able to do successfully. Yeah. And as we are coaching people to become more effective leaders, I think that that is really realistic for me. I know because I do tend to, and in my career, have tended to really go pretty extreme on the multitasking. I need to have the ability to recognize that that can be a detriment to our leadership skills. So crucial for a leader, and I'm glad that you're doing this episode kind of in a in a recent in recent proximity to the the sessions that you did on personal leadership, Dave. Mm, yeah, because I think about that whole idea. A lot of leadership experts use the idea of your personal vision as thinking of that as your compass, mm-hmm. and so we have to think about that driving our direction, no matter where we are. Always having that helping us no matter how crazy things get kind of, you know, where we're headed. And then my parents um, do search and rescue. And you recently interviewed my mom and talked a little bit about search and rescue and they don't use normal maps there. So if you think about the map that's on your cell phone, those of you that have a smartphone or the map that's in your navigation system in the car, those are showing you where the streets are. You know, you need to head down this street, but it's missing a really important piece of information. If you are walking with a dog searching for people and that's the the what does the terrain look like so they call it a topographical map and some of you may have seen topographical maps and you are able to see how the elevation changes as you're proceeding through that route and when you think about the multitasking i think yeah there i, th- I love that you said that dave there there's this realistic we're all going to have to multitask mm-hmm. 
But if I tend to kind of rely on that too much and slow myself down and and be prone for errors, and then as a leader, what if we miss that which is right in front of us? And there's two, two crucial things as a leader, I think, here. One is, are we able to be fully present for another human being? And that's both from a practical standpoint to be an effective manager, to maximize that other person's potential as, you know, getting everything you can out of them in terms of their contribution to the workforce. But to me, it's just the human dignity of another person that is right in front of you. That is a gift that we will miss as a leader if we aren't paying attention to that and being fully present for another person. That means the cell phone is off the the interruptions are minimized so that it truly is an emergency, which are so few and far between, but we call things emergencies today that are just an excuse. Yeah, and you mentioned the difference between us as far as I tend to focus on one thing more naturally than you do. And that also has been a detriment a detriment and sometimes to me in leadership positions because I've get I've got my schedule and my daily plan of action and what I'm going to do. And I know that I've missed opportunities to connect with people or get off task when I probably should have gotten off mm-hmm. task and multitask a little bit more. And one of the uh, one of my early mentors that I worked with when I was working in the education business um, and, and actually it was a great place to start my career because I worked with I both managed a business and worked with kids during the day. And so, boy, you have to learn quickly how to balance multitasking if you're in an environment with children. Mm-hmm. And so I remember her telling me, she said, you know, a good leader in this business comes into the day with a plan and you better have a plan because if you don't have a plan, the world will take over every day with the children. But you also need to be able to, as a leader, jump off the plan at any time to respond to something and to multitask. But then what the difference maker is between the people who are effective and not is people who are effective in this business can get off the plan, but then they can come right back to it as soon as that situation has resolved itself. Mm -hmm. And in particular with children, that was a really good advice. But I also think that that's helpful when we think about things from a productivity standpoint is that, uh, again, people tend to go to one extreme or the other on productivity. They'll say, well, I'm going to map out my entire day minute by minute or I'm not going to map out anything at all. And in reality, if we can have some balance between those, I think that that's probably what's most effective for most of us. So I'm curious from a standpoint of um, of advice for those of us who listen to the show who are leaders, which is, which is almost everybody who's in this audience, what advice would you have for not only for us as leaders, but when we're coaching others around this, what, what should we do? What kind of things should we be watching for and giving people feedback on and uh, and helping them to gain perspective on this, Bonnie? Yeah, before I answer your question, I just wanted to follow up with the second thing oh, sure. that I was I'm thinking sorry. about. The first thing was being present for another person, but the second thing is closely related and that's tapping into our creativity. Mm, yeah. So if we're just constantly barraged by interruptions and switching back and forth between all these different things and the chaos that that, that, that really helps to ensue, we're not tapping into our potential as creative beings. Mm. So that was just the second one. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to be <laughs> uh, like a 
very recent public figure who was listing things and did not list the <laughs> list all the rest of them. Yeah, so I, I didn't want to fall victim to multitasking and forgetting to do that. Thankfully, the listeners of the show are very forgiving and always uh, send wonderful feedback, so I don't think you have too much to worry about. <laughs> so in answer to your question of what advice I would have for leaders in coaching other people, the first piece of advice really is that I think, Dave, we have to be able to model it ourselves. So if we can't demonstrate for the people that we are leading and coaching what this might look like, mm. then I think that's where it, it, it both lives and dies. Yeah. So the first thing is that we have to be good at it. And so I would really suggest that people who struggle with trying to multitask too much read this the myth of multitasking book mm. it's one of those quick reads it's tiny i'm holding it in my hand right now it is it's tiny. tiny let me let me look real quick how many pages we're talking about here it's one of those uh, that's written around sort of a fable in uh, the workplace okay. okay and it also has some practical tools and checklists too so it's got the best of all worlds i don't tend to like the fable oriented business books but this one it, it got to the point quick enough that it didn't bother me. But then I love the little checklists in the back and the tools to help us. So yeah, 137 pages. And oh, that's not, not bad. Yeah, they're not even long pages. So I would really suggest picking up the myth of multitasking, how doing it all gets nothing done. And then perhaps even using this tool and some of the checklists with the people that you lead and are helping to coach as well. How about for those of us that tend to maybe drift to the other side like I would, where we're almost focused a little bit too much on one particular thing and not necessarily being responsive enough to the environment around us and maybe to the people that um, you know really do need our attention. Any Anything come to mind that you would suggest for people in that category? Well, one thing I would think is that it's great that we are in these coaching relationships, but a good coach is going to help set you up with other people too that will help you in your own development process. Mm. And so you might be thinking about finding someone who's your polar opposite. And so I think sometimes, at least in my experience, younger in my career, I would kind of tend to demonize those people a little bit. Like they're bad, you know, they're so different than me and that's bad. If only everyone were like me, that would be good, you know? <laughs> Which is a really dangerous place to be as a leader because if everyone's like you, you have tons of blind spots. Yes, yes. And so, but it could be easy to say, in my case, you know, multitaskers are good. Mm -hmm. If you can't multitask, you are bad. When we go too far, any of our strengths, when we turn the volume up too much on any of our strengths, they become our weaknesses. So yes, you know, but, but it might be interesting to sort of create some sort of a relationship with someone who's your polar opposite and see what you can learn from them and their experience. But I, I'm also curious, before we, we run out of time here, Dave, what do you think? What's your idea of maybe how someone might become more flexible? Because you certainly have become more flexible in that. Yeah, I think for me, it's been really, uh, one, it's, boy, being a facilitator and a trainer and a coach over the years, I, I have learned just by necessity, I've had to be flexible and I wish I would have learned that lesson sooner. So I think one of the things you can do is put yourself in environments where you are absolutely going to have to be flexible. And for me, it's been thousands of hours of facilitation of people in corporate America because that is an environment that inevitably you cannot control sometimes. You walk into buildings to teach classes. The rooms are not ready. People show up in the classroom. They're supposed to be prepped. They're not. 
talking with managers, uh, you know, things that are supposed to happen in certain ways, you know, running a consulting practice. <laughs> well, Boy, I'll tell you, yeah, all of those things have made me so much more flexible than I ever was before. And now I feel like I have a pretty good balance between those. So putting yourself in situations where you absolutely will have to be flexible is a great way to train your mind in order to get comfortable with that. Well, the classroom itself, if it's a well-designed class, is going to be all about just creating a structure for people to help engage with content and learning objectives. But once you do that and you do it well, the class, it naturally goes places you never planned on it going. So if you have a class or a lecture or something where everything goes exactly like you planned it, you are not, <laughs> you, you need some help with instructional design because it should go very differently from how you planned it, but still be driving toward, like that compass analogy again, driving toward the key objectives. I don't know if I've asked you this before, but seeing as though this is a show, of course, about coaching and leadership, uh, who's someone that's been a great mentor or coach to you and maybe around this topic of multitasking or, or just in general? And what have you learned from them and how were they able to coach you to help you be more effective in this area? It's not necessarily around multitasking, but one person I was thinking of, is his name is Ken Hagerstrom, and he came into the business and was very different than I was in terms of change. Mm. So I would say he was my polar opposite. Some people would accuse him, and I don't know if he would accuse himself of this ever, but change for change's sake. Mm -hmm. And that's an easy label to try to push on someone because then it's easy because then they're the bad guy and you're the good guy. (laughs) And so I found that once I could stop seeing him, because he'd come in and just kind of let's, well, what about this? Let's change this. How about this? And ask these questions. And it used to make me very angry because I had my little rigid thing and this is how it was going to go and it's planned. This is the way we've done it for years. And, you know, how could you come in? You don't even know that much about our business yet. And you're coming in with all these questions, et cetera. And once I stopped that, I saw the potential, a couple of two really big potentials. One was being able to step outside it and explore these ideas, the man is a genius. And there really were these super creative things we could do if I'd get over myself and allow him to take us a little bit on a journey outside of anything I expected. So Mm. I really regarded him highly for that once I got over my own inadequacies. And then that, well, (laughs) as if we ever get over them completely, but to the extent in that area that it was possible. And then the second thing was, as a person becoming more of an influencer, I could be, you know, butt heads with this guy all day long and we could just get, you know, we could get stuck there. Or I could see that if I allowed myself to go on the journey with him along the way, I was going to discover ways to influence him hmm. so that later on, once I figured out how to do this, he would then be the biggest salesperson for any new programs, which included budgetary dollars in the company of anyone I could find once I let myself do that with him. And so if you want to be a person of influence within an organization, you you have to be flexible and adaptable this way. And then you can figure out, well, what is it that's really going to be a huge benefit to this person so you can speak their language when you're describing a change you'd like to to put into place? Bonnie Stahoviak is a professor of business at Vanguard University of Southern California, president of our firm here at Innovate Learning. 
doctor of organizational leadership, uh, mother to Luke, amazing wife, speaking of multitasking. Uh, <laughs> and he's still asleep, everyone. And he's still asleep. You do it all. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Dave. It was a great topic to be here on. It's always fun to have you. Well, I hope you love listening to her as much as I do. I can spend hours just listening to her talk and uh, share her wisdom. And it's so wonderful to be married to someone who's just uh, so intelligent and well-spoken and also who just has such a tremendous sense of humor too. And uh, you just so rarely find that combination in a person. And I am so honored to be married to her. And so I uh, can't uh, wait to get done with the show here and uh, get back to uh, getting to spend time with family again. And uh, and speaking of wrapping up the show, this is the part of the show where uh, I usually like to drop in some community feedback. And just a reminder, if you missed it on the front end of the show here, there's a few ways you can reach out to us. By phone is one way, 949-38-LEARN. Our email address is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And of course, you can reach us by Skype too. And again, the Skype name is Innovate Learning. And I have uh, one piece of feedback this week and then also a couple of thank yous I'd like to give out. Uh, The first piece of feedback here from uh, David. And uh, David had emailed me in regards to, uh, uh, actually had sent a nice long email. Uh, Thank you, David. I will uh, get back to you here shortly, but I did want to read just a a piece of his email. He just uh, says here, I just finished reading How to Win Friends and Influencing People. I cannot believe that I never took the time to read this before. Basic principles, period. We've lost so much of this as a society. Much of it is common courtesy. The direct connect phones that beep when your voice transmits are one of the prime offenders. They seem to make it okay to just beep and interrupt a conversation. And the owners often just top it off and respond, sorry, digression. Steve Jobs seemed to break most of the principles Mr. Mr. Carnegie laid out. What lesson do we take from that? David, first of all, thank you so much for emailing and thank you for the feedback. And uh, yeah, you know, those uh, those phones that interrupt us, boy, you know, fits right in with our topic we just talked about with Bonnie here on multitasking. You know, anything that's just interrupting us constantly is not a good, <laughs> probably communication tool for us as leaders. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful, and I'm sure many of you are too, that it seems like those phones are sort of going out of style now. People aren't using the Direct Connect feature as much, and uh, the smartphones don't seem to have them. So I'm grateful for that. And in regards to, boy, this, uh, you know, some of this just seems like common practice and how to win friends and influence people from Dale Carnegie, published back in 1936. Can you believe it's still on the Amazon.com top 100 list? The book was published over 80 years ago, and it's still a top seller. And the reason is, is, yeah, you know, a lot of it's common sense. But I think if Mr. Carnegie were here, he would say, it isn't common practice. And that's why that material is just as important now as it was when it was published in 1936. And I challenge any of you, if you haven't read How to Win Friends and Influence People, it is one of the best-selling business books of all time. You need to pick it up and check it out. And there's tons of great value in there uh, that you could spend a lifetime working on. And I wanted to also just uh, comment on this uh, question that David rose about Steve Jobs as well. He says, you know, Steve Jobs broke most of Dale Carnegie's principles. What can we learn from that? 
Well, I, I think there's one thing for us to keep in mind as leaders. And David, this is just my perspective on it. And uh, if you disagree or if anyone else disagrees, feel free to call in with a comment or email. And I'd love to hear uh, some dialogue on this. But, uh, you know, Steve Jobs, in my opinion, got away with uh, his behavior, uh, it, which is pretty well documented of him not always winning friends and influencing people because he was Steve Jobs. And when you're someone like Steve Jobs, who is a once in a generation genius and a trendsetter and just a, an amazing mind who transforms the business world and technology and all the things that he did, when you are that much of a genius and that smart and so good at w that aspect, you uh, can get away with being a jerk sometimes. You just can't. And that's, that's just the way of it. And, you know, Steve Jobs did get away with it. Steve Jobs, because he was Steve Jobs, could do just about anything he wanted. Now, there's always limits for every leader as far as how they treat people. And if he had broken them, uh, you know, eventually it would have come back to bite him. But, you know, he got away with a lot more than a lot of leaders do. And for every Steve Jobs that gets away with that, I'll point out to you a thousand leaders that don't get away with some of the mistakes that he made. So if you're Steve Jobs, sure, you can get away with making mistakes like that. If you're the everyday leader like so many of us are and are listening to this show, I know I'm not a genius. I'm not at Steve Jobs level. Uh, for those of us who are the everyday leaders and are just trying to do the best we can for ourselves and the people who work for us, uh, I challenge you to keep improving your coaching skills and keep developing and empowering others. Because if you can, then you will be someone who will be tremendously valuable not only uh, in your own career and in your own development, but people will uh, be grateful to work with you. They'll be grateful to be led by you and they'll want to be led by you. And if you can be uh, get into that position as a leader, what a wonderful place it is to be and, uh, and, and an honor it is to be to be able to lead people that want to be led by you. So I would challenge all of us to continue to learn the lessons that we're hopefully all learning together on this show, and we'll continue to move forward on them, of course. And then finally, I just wanted to wrap up this week by saying a quick thank you to two people for uh, for really uh, jumping on to my feedback from last week and hopping on to iTunes and leaving us some comments about our show. So uh, thank you. And actually, I don't know either of their names uh, because it doesn't say it on iTunes, uh, but uh, the person who refers to themselves as Lead One, thank you so much for your comment. And uh, someone else who referred to themselves as a Dave and Bonnie fan, I actually think I know who this may be. Thank you. You know who you are. I so appreciate your comments. And thanks for taking a moment to uh, reach out and to help us to reach more people through this show. And hey, speaking of this show, this is episode number 29. If you would like the notes for the show, uh, you can find them on our website, coachingforleaders.com. And same challenge to you. If this show has been helpful to you or the series of shows, uh, hop on iTunes, leave us a review. You can do that directly by going to the website, itunes.coachingforleaders.com. That'll take you to our iTunes site. Thanks in advance if you do do that. Hey, if you or your organization wants to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, give us a call. We might be able to help you out. You can reach us at 949-38-LEARN or, of course, feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, looking forward to being back with you next week for another episode. In the meantime, I hope you have a fantastic start to the week and good luck. 
out there coaching people. Take care, everybody. <laughs>